The fiery trials we face are intended to purify us. Pastor Ed Taylor touches on that briefly. Fire purifies, and they use it as the picture of purifying metals, where as the heat gets turned up, the impurities rise to the top. Now, the fire didn't create those impurities. The fire separated those impurities. You see, listen, the things that are coming out right now, and although the fiery trial is the mechanism by which God is revealing it to you, they've always been in your heart. God wants you to get rid of them. He wants you to let him skim them off the top. This is amazing grace. It said, there are some things that are a secret only fire can tell. God at times will bring a fiery trial to reveal a secret, not to him, but to us. He does so with a great and loving purpose. That rises to the surface today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've been zeroing in on Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Last time we began to consider that as believers, we're set apart to the Lord and not this world. Today we'll hear a classic and practical example of this and God's loving and liberating purpose behind it. Here now is Pastor Ed. I asked it to open to Daniel chapter 3, and so would you turn there with me? Because we're introduced to these three young men who give us a very practical picture of what this looks like. Because it's good to see pictures in the scriptures of real-life people that stood in real-life situations at their worst condition. They rise and they shine to their best. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are tremendous examples to us of God's strength and power in very tough times. Well, those of you that know the story, again, Daniel 3 can become homework for you. I'd encourage you to study it on. If you want to really study, you can grab the studies off the web when we went through Daniel and just walk through this chapter together. But we have Nebuchadnezzar building a large image, and he wants his entire kingdom to bow down to it. But we've got these Jewish exiles there, and they're standing fast, Daniel being one of them and his friends here. And his friends decide, you know what? We're not bowing down to your image. We're not going to do it. We refuse to bow down. And beginning in verse 8, we have some people that come and tattle on them and say, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, these guys don't want to bow down. And we'll pick up in verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar is enraged. He's full of fury. And he gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these young men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you don't worship, you'll be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? There's a couple things here I want you to notice. Number one, Nebuchadnezzar is a great picture of Satan here because Satan will always give you a second chance to sin. He'll always give you another chance to compromise. 
Because here they are. They've taken their stand already. They refuse to bow down to the image. So, so Nebuchadnezzar says, bring them in here. I'll intimidate them and I'll tell them, you know, you got another chance. If you bow down, it'll be good for you. But if you don't, and that's how it is at times where you get the victory and you walk in the strength of the Lord, but don't think that temptation is not going to come again. It's going to come knocking even harder the next time. There's going to be another chance. There's always another chance to compromise. And you have learned over the years that compromise only leads to more compromise. It doesn't make you stronger when you compromise in the things of the Lord. It makes you weaker. It makes you less strong. And so Nebuchadnezzar here, he's like, hey, you guys, I'm going to give you another chance. You want to save your life? Then bow down. It'll be good for you. But if you don't, it's over. And so verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, you got to love this. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And can't you imagine if we were witnesses on that, we would be like, right at the end, it's a crescendo. They're probably very respectful, very kind. But at the end, as we will not bow down to your gods, can you just think, oh, yeah, right on. Yes, yes, take your stand. And I love it. They're very kind and very respectful. But notice what they say. We're not going to answer you in this. You know what? You throw us in the fiery furnace, our God could take us out of there. But you know what? Even if he chooses not to take us out, we don't care. Because we serve a mighty God. And we're not bowing down to your false God. We're not going there. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, he hugs them and kisses them and says, Oh, what witnesses you are. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. The expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And therefore he spoke and he commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats and their trousers, their turbans, their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, that was so hot that the guys that threw them in died. It's a crazy, hot, fiery situation. And then notice, though, they come to the exceedingness of the fire. Verse 23, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. You know, there's a fiery furnace for all of us, church. There are temptations and situations that are incredible. You know, the fiery furnaces, they speak to us of trials and tribulations. As the heat, sometimes you're in a fiery furnace, the heat has been turned up seven times. And I've seen over the years, even in my own life, ministering to many of you and many people over the years, I've noticed that we often see a person's worst in the midst of the fiery furnace. We see their worst. We see more anger at times of fires and trials. We see more sarcasm. We see more uh, frustration. We see, we see people flipping out. We see people start to cuss and I mean, words start coming out of their mouths. Dun, 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 dun. And you go, man, I didn't even know that was a cuss word. Where did that come from? And I'll tell you, when you start to minister to them, this is the answer. They say, you know what? It's the trial. If I wasn't in this trial, I wouldn't be acting this way. If it wasn't for the way this is, I wouldn't be this way. And it's the trial that's made me this way. No, no, no. Not true. 
The Bible reveals to us that trials only reveal, they don't create what's in your heart. Fire purifies. It's used as a picture. Fire purifies, and they use it as the picture of purifying metals, where as the heat gets turned up, the impurities rise to the top. Now, the fire didn't create those impurities. The fire separated those impurities. You see, listen, the things that are coming out right now, and although the fiery trial is the mechanism by which God is revealing it to you, they've always been in your heart. God wants you to get rid of them. He wants you to let him skim them off the top. Oh, no, Ed, no, that's not true. No, no, I would have never cussed if I wasn't in it. But see, here's the thing. Probably the right way of saying that is we would have never heard you cuss like that because you cuss like that in your head all the time. But now that the fiery trial, you've let all your guard down, and now we're all, well, we're all seeing and experiencing the way you've been living in your heart all along. That's why Jesus said what comes out of the mouth comes from the abundance of the heart. And instead of turning on God through times of trial, just like Shadrach, they just, man, we're going in. I know what I'm heading into. I know what I'm facing. I know what's there. But listen, friends, all of that behavior, it's been in your heart all along, and now the Lord would have you to confess it and repent from it and let God skim it off the top for the next fiery furnace to then bring more purity in your life. We blame and we're so easy to blame so many things in our life when in reality we're just letting them sit in our heart. And could it be, as I put the pieces together for you, could it be that you're just half-hearted in that area or two? Could it be that you've just never really been serious about that part of your life? Could it be that you just have allowed that to fester and grow in your life? And it has. And God has been allowing circumstances and situations to reveal it so that he might deal with it completely, that you and I would not continue to live the same way week after week after week. I think so. They're thrown into the fire bound, as you and I often are, bound to sin, bound to thoughts, bound to fears and anxieties, bound even to circumstances and situations, and they're thrown in bound but things change in verse 24. It says King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Just boom, things change in an instant. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said, oh, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like a son of God. Nebuchadnezzar, being pagan, was still religious. And he notices something supernatural is happening in the fire, man. This is crazy. Didn't we tie those guys up? But they're having a party in the fire. What are they doing? What are they talking about? How is this possible? And he's astonished from rage and fury to being astonished. This is, my friends, for you Bible students, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Before Jesus came and took on the form of a body in the womb of Mary, remember Jesus, the Son, is eternal. This is appearance just like in other places in the Old Testament as he appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18 or to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5 or Judges chapter 6 records an appearance of Jesus before the womb to Gideon. He's so mindful of your situation. Again, I would encourage you to study Daniel chapter 3 on your own. Just read through it, maybe devotionally this week. 
or this afternoon or before you go to bed. And one thing you'll find is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire bound, but they were delivered from the fire loose. They went in bound up. And it was the very trial that God used in their life to loose them from the bondages. In their case, just things that were tying their hands and their feet. In your case, it could be all sorts of things. That you think you just, you've lived with it so long, it's become a friend to you. You've had to befriend it because you don't see any other way around it. But God, he doesn't want you to befriend those things that bind you, but to forsake them and be delivered from them in the victory that's already yours and mine in Christ Jesus. They go in bound, they come out loose, which is what God is doing in our lives through trials. And all the while, from the time that you're bound to the time that you're loose, you have the very presence of Jesus Christ in you and through you and around you to encourage you. Hey, flip over to Isaiah 43, would you? It's over to the left from Daniel. Just a few pages over, Isaiah chapter 43. Just a reminder for us today of God's faithfulness, his encouragement his love for you, his care for you, his hope for you, his help for you, that there are things that are binding you right now and God wants to release you. He wants to take care of you. And I love this. We'll just pick up in verse 1. He says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, verse 4, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. That's the encouragement of God, not only to the nation of Israel, but to you. I mean, in Psalm 46, listen, verse 7, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In Psalm 41.10 it says, But you, O Lord, be merciful to me and raise me up. It's important for us to understand how God operates in the fires of life as they get turned up all around us, sometimes seven times as hotter than the last one. There are times when God will deliver us out of the trouble. That's our prayer, isn't it? Isn't that what we pray? Give me out of this, Lord. Give me out of this. Often God will get you out of it. He'll deliver you. He'll rescue you and me. But often he'll deliver us not out of the trial, but through it. He'll take us through. He'll walk with us through it. And even though we're going through the fires, you won't be burned. You won't be scorched. God delivers sometimes. God takes us through. Just watching us, looking for our cooperation, our obedience. Can I just say that we prolong trials many times far longer than they really need to be by our disobedience and our refusal to repent, our refusal to submit. The Bible still says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when we take a prideful stance, we take a place of 
self-sufficiency and self-control when the fires get turned up around us, you're going to, and I'm going to meet with resistance from heaven. And we might misinterpret that resistance as God is picking a fight with us. He's not picking a fight with us. He's teaching us that the way and the pathway of peace is humility, humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God that he might lift us up. Going in bound, coming out loose. Either way, God is looking for that living sacrifice back in Romans. That living sacrifice that's holy, set apart. It's acceptable to God to give your life to him. It's reasonable for you to surrender to God. Whether you have life's pressures and the reality of a fiery furnace in your life or not. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they teach us a lesson about how it is to stand fast for the Lord and just surrender our lives to him no matter what. You know, our brothers and sisters around the world are doing just that. North Korea, Sudan, the underground church in China, all throughout the Muslim world, believers living for Jesus Christ, living boldly, even at the risk of death every day of their lives, giving themselves wholly over to Jesus Christ because of what he has done and who he is in their lives. And I would say for you, as you look through our bulletin here, or you get a ministry list off, you know, we put these things out for you. Up in the left side of the bulletin is many of the staff members, not all of them, but many of the staff members of the church. Then on the Welcome Center area, there is a list of ministries here with many of the leaders' names or contact information there for them. And we put that out so you can get involved and you can, can plug in and serve the Lord. But Mike... I add another use for that list, for that bulletin, and that you pray for the leadership of this church to sell out to the things of God, to be unswerved by this world, to keep their eyes firmly focused. Them, you can pray for the men and their wives and their kids. You can pray for the ladies that serve here and their husbands and their kids, that you would just lay them before the altar and pray through Romans chapter 12 for us. Because we so desperately want to be an example of this in your life. We don't want to live half-hearted. You don't want me teaching you through the Denver Post on a Sunday morning. How ridiculous that would be. Because there's a tense pressure for pastors like me not to teach the Word of God anymore. You'd be amazed the kind of things that I get and the kind of responses that come from teaching the Word of God. But you know what? I don't care. And I'm not going to change my email address or the phone number of the church because it might be an opportunity to convince someone that God is worth their wholehearted devotion. He's worth it. He's worth surrendering your whole family, Dad, because so goes the dad, so goes the home. So dads sell out. Oh, no, Ed, you don't know what that will mean for my home. No, I don't know what it will mean. Why don't we find out together? Tell me what it happens when you start living for the things of God. You... You single moms, you single dads, go for it, man. Raise those kids in, your, in the ways of the Lord. Give yourself wholehearted to him. And watch and see the faithfulness of God. Be a man and a woman of God's word and obey Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Be that example. Give God a chance to work in your life. Step out in faith. You will not be disappointed. But I caution you as we head out. You will be disappointed if you choose not to heed these couple verses. And you'll wonder why you never understand the will of God for your life. It's funny, isn't it? We want, we're, we're praying. Hey, hey, Lord, what about this? What about this? What about this? And what about this over here, God? And what about over here? And God's saying, I have given you the answer to your prayer, but you have refused to answer and obey it. 
You think I'm going to give you everything else? Why don't you obey in the first little thing that I gave you, and I'll give you the rest when you need it. But until you obey that one area, heaven is going to be silent. And that's not God's fault. He says, I want you to be faithful in the little things. And as you're faithful, you step up to the little thing. God's going to give you the next one. He's going to give you the next one. But until you, until you handle, until you respond, until you deal with the thing that's right in front of you, heaven is going to be silent. Because God wants you to be obedient in the little things. Not to pick and choose. It's not like a cafeteria. So, well, I'll take a little green beans. No, nah, no green beans for me. A little mashed potatoes. I'll take a lot of meat. No, God says, I'm going to give you one thing. It's broccoli today, okay? <laughs> All right. And you take the broccoli and you're thinking, all right, it's mashed potato times, right? No, and then it's those white things, whatever that is. You don't even know what it is. What is it? It's like, like stuff that grows in between your toes, that stuff, right? <laughs> what do they call that stuff? Cauliflower, there you go. And that's your next, that's your next one. They go, oh, okay, I'll just take that, you know. And what's the next one? What is it? Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. <laughs> we'll just keep going on on the list. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Obey Romans 12, church. Take all that God has for you. Be faithful and trust him. Because even if there's something that's bitter to the taste or ugly to the eye or hurtful to the heart, your heavenly father knows you personally and he's going to take you through it. Might even deliver you out of it. But there is an end to trials and tribulations. And our hope is in the Lord. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ed Taylor of Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, and this is Abounding Grace. To give this a second listen, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, we've heard about a bold and fearless stand for the Lord, but what about those who feel that they aren't so brave? Can you give a word to the fearful when they face their fiery furnace? You know, Larry, I think anyone facing the fiery furnace is going to deal with fear it's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful for the variety of personalities that God has given to us. And you're right, some people are bold and fearless, and you can picture those words and the strength and stamina that might look, that might re be revealed in their faces. But at the same time, the bold and fearless sometimes are fearful uh, and yet are able to channel that fear in such a way that they're moving forward by faith. And for those of you that are more fearful, it's okay to be fearful. Uh, I think there's a line where fear is crossed and it becomes sinful. And of course, sin isn't okay. But the idea of being fearful isn't all that bad. Uh, that cautiousness, that concern, and maybe even a real gripping fear about what's going on in your life right now or what's up ahead. I know that when you respond to that fear by remembering what God's Word says, that in Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we haven't been given a spirit of fear. And so we can lay those fears down before the Lord, allowing Him to be a strength to us. It's in our weaknesses that His strength is made perfect. And I know we don't value weakness all that much in our culture today, but weakness is a place of strength for the believer. So whether you are that personality type that just tends to be bold and fearless all the time, or you're that person that might be timid and fearful at times, like Timothy. I think of Timothy as a man of God that he was used in amazing, incredible ways pastoring the church in Ephesus, but he wasn't known necessarily as a bold and fearless guy. He was known as a man of faith. 
trusting God in the good times and the bad. And so that's for you, that's for me. Trusting God in the good times and the bad, and he'll show himself faithful. Thanks for those very encouraging words. There's a lot that goes into making all this happen, as you might imagine, and we look to the Lord to provide and guide. And if he's leading you to take an active role in the ministry through either monthly support or a one-time donation, first of all, thank you. And second, we'd like to send you something as a tangible expression of our gratitude. When you give $25 or more, you're invited to request Don Stewart's excellent book, 25 Signs We Are Near the End. In these difficult days, many are wondering how close we are to the end. Well, Don Stewart looks to the Bible to help you answer that. He believes there are 25 signs that would suggest we are near the end, like the miracle of Israel's survival, the preparations being made to build the third temple. The stage is also being set for the Ezekiel 38 and 39 invasion. Read all about it in 25 Signs We Are Near the End. Just call 877-30-GRACE and we can take your request. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. There's much more to come in Romans, so try to set aside a half hour each day to join us for Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor relates the truths we find here to everyday living. This is amazing grace. This is Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.